0: Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're talking culture and children's learning beliefs. We're here with a very special guest and alum, Dr. Jean Lee from Brown University. Welcome to the EdCast.
1: You're welcome. Welcome.
0: So you are here today to talk about the difference between Western and Eastern models of learning, and I think just let's just jump in. What is the biggest difference? Uh, it, it, maybe start by explaining what. How would you define each one?
1: Ah, oh, okay. Well, this dates back to my uh, research here, started here at the HGSE when I was doing my dissertation. So it just struck me as a person that uh, the way that people approach learning in the West or at least you know, I studied German as well. So I met a lot of German teachers and interacted with them. So that struck me. And later on I came to the United States and that seemed to be there is a resemblance or a relationship, okay, among the Germans and European American uh Learners and and the teachers, versus back home, how I grew up and how my teachers, my parents, and taught me and approached learning. So that was the first. And then I uh, did um, a series of studies. Um, part of this was my dissertation, but I. I continued and um, basically studying the college kids and using something called the lexicon study. Mm -hmm. So, what words and phrases come to mind when you think about learn or learning these keywords, right? Primers, what we call. And, um, you know, here in the United States, we studied the students from uh, selective universities uh, versus Chinese uh, college kids who were also selected, you know, because the fact that their college kids were highly selected. Okay, so these are comparable in terms of backgrounds, and we have them uh, um, do a series of steps in generating the lexicon, and I analyzed uh, quantitatively using cluster analysis. Basically, what I discovered was that European-American Uh, words and phrases, a lot of that cluster on ideas such as active learning, thinking, and open mind, intelligence, and um, learner characteristics and learning process, mental processes, whereas the Chinese model emphasizes what I call virtues, that is diligence, endurance of hardship, and perseverance concentration, humility, things like that, okay? Those came out as the most frequently grouped ideas and so they achieved the equivalence of the European-American what I call mental model or
0: mind-oriented learning model. So it's mind sort of versus virtual learning models. And and I'm curious, you know, the nature of your talk here today at the ed school was culture and children's learning beliefs. I mean, how much of these models are seeped into the culture of Western and Eastern cultures?
1: Right. Initially, the study I did was mostly, you know, you can, uh, has uh, has been regarded as the cultural level kind of ideas. Those are not individual peoples. Beliefs. So when children are born and they're socialized, they grow in the home and at school, right? So they receive these ideas, you know, because it's year-round, day in, day out, okay? And by and by, they internalize these ideas. So then these ideas become their own, and those ideas that have become children's internalized beliefs I call learning beliefs. As opposed to learning model, mm-hmm. the mind ver- versus virtual model. Those are models that it that can be uh, as tapped or uh, described by different kind of methods and so on, like describing ideal learner, okay? And those, you know, basically don't really exist, but they exist in people's minds, uh, regardless, okay? So these also resemble the people's ideal images, resemble the cultural level model. But children's individual beliefs are their own, and they, of course, appropriate from the cultural model, and you can look at the children's beliefs. You can see they rarely represent the other. Okay, so they don't cross over. They they re- resemble their own cultural model. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so looking at these two models, is uh, biggest differences in terms of student outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, using these two models, uh, mind based and virtue based, are, are are they different types of learners, and they're more likely to obviously share that model when when they're eventually teaching. Absolutely,
1: I would say the Western mind model is very conducive to inquiry and a creative process and scientific discovery. Obviously, that's also the fact, fact, okay? But the Asian model, because it's not geared toward understanding the external world, Right now, children are learning math and science and so on. But the initial Confucian, as envisioned by Confucian scholars, Confucius himself, was to cultivate yourself um, morally and socially, okay? So that you become a, a great project of your, of your own. You yourself is the object of cultivation, of perfecting. So you work at it just like Michelangelo chiseling at the marble, you know, making a great statue out of it. And this, the difference is like the in the in the asian model is asian model is like you are you're chiseling at yourself mm-hmm. and you know sort of getting better by studying by learning by developing these virtues by, by applying these virtues in whatever you're doing
0: yes now let's say you have someone from one model in the classroom and someone from another model in that classroom and, and they're together how do they work in terms of teams coming from these two different perspectives i would say it's quite difficult
1: Yes, I think uh, children, typical, you know, kids who have not lived abroad or in the East Asian context, they probably are brought up with this mind model, and if they it goes well. But not every child has this kind of model, you know, In the, we know in the West, and some children struggle, some children fail, some you know, but many of them succeed, okay? Like the kids at MIT, kids, you know, um, in other places, and they do very well. And here at Harvard, I would say uh, most of them represent present this mind model. Yes, so they the definitely allow them to succeed, okay. Uh, but when they come in contact with Asian, for example, what they first observe is like they're quiet, okay? They don't really talk very much, okay, the Asian children. Yeah if you teach them something, they'll go back and study very hard, and very hard until they feel they mastered the material. They won't even pose a question, sort of uh, typically, okay? But now maybe things are changing a little bit, the process, but nevertheless, it's still the idea of you go there, demonstrate, and apply your virtues to your learning, and then master, gain understanding before you pose a question, and it become articulate, okay? So it, the process are very different, yes.
0: And, and I think having research like this come out is important for this globalized society to understand different forms of learning and and understanding better knowing that if a student is quiet doesn't mean they're not
1: thinking that's right, exactly. So we have a lot of uh, sort of false assumptions about the other. And here, I'm, I'm just studying these two groups, okay. But think about the African-Americans, Latinos, and they probably have their own way of uh, you know, going about learning and uh, emphasize certain aspects, maybe not others, but still it's really important that we understand the children from different backgrounds, yes.
0: What are people saying in response to your research? You know, something like this comes out, you're gonna get people from both sort of camps uh, presenting outlier cases or coming up with ideas that either support or sort of challenge these ideas? What's the general feedback? Because this is fascinating and you'd think it would be getting a big reaction.
1: Of course, it's always erroneous to try to fit a cultural model into any random individual. We know that doesn't work, okay? But the idea is when you study enough people, you come up with certain patterns, okay? And that seemed to be, if you look at the group, okay, group level, that seemed to hold and time again, time again, seemed to hold. Um, And then, of course, there are outliers. You know, in any culture, the people who don't fit, okay? those deserve uh, research. But I, my research generally has not looked at those people, but just people in the majority. And they, they're more or less shaped by these cultural models and the uh, family socialization, parental so teaching, and the socialization at home.
0: Dr. Lee, is the the next sort of step for you further diving deeper into this research, or are you going to be looking at other stuff? Uh, Yeah. What's next for you?
1: Thank you very much. Okay, I have actually collected a very large longitudinal data set on immigrant children, children of immigrants, okay, Asian, uh, Chinese. Uh, children of immigrants and starting at age 4 and age 5 and age 6, okay, we have already collected data, have done some analysis. I think this data and analysis will give us a lot of ideas of what happens when you mix the two, okay, these children obviously receiving American-style education, but they continue to receive the home socialization, this dual socialization. Is there any cost? is what I'm asking. And if we understand the cost, what does that tell us about the role of culture or the initial native culture socialization and so on? I think there's a lot of scientific questions we can ask and we can assume uh, just because we have these mixed children, you know, children that coming from a, a, their home culture is, is, is home and their mainstream culture is totally different. And we assume that we plan we plug them into this uh, immigrant contact, they'll automatically have a perfect combination. There is evidence suggests that actually the outcome is t- more troubling than not. That is, there's an immigrant paradox. The first generation adults coming into, say, United States do much better than their children. And this is uh, all groups. Yes, it may be perhaps except uh, European groups, okay? Because they're very similar and by and large, okay? But any non-European heritage groups seem to show the paradox that the next generation, the second generation, the third generation, even worse. So yeah, so, we need to therefore speaks back to the idea of culture. We really need to gain better understanding how how that influences the child, you know, child development in general, mother-child attachment, emotional competence, and so on. If that is interrupted very early on, children are exposed, for example, to English too early before they even acquire their own native tongue with the mother and grandma, so on and so forth. And I wonder what happens. And then you introduce the child to another culture's norm, which is a way you know complex, right? So are we not, uh, you know, burdening our children? Um, I think we need to do research to understand the process better than we before we plunge into implementation, yes.
0: And boy, are we lucky you're doing this research, Dr. Lee. Thank you so much. And where can people find out more about this research or your future research in the future, our website?
1: Yeah, you can look at my uh, Brown website and that uh, gives you some information but people can also contact me. I have published articles. If you go to database psych Info, you type my name in, you will see my publications. I also have a book that came out uh, 2012. It's called Cultural Foundations of Learning, Colon, East and West.
0: Ah, well I mean you, you certainly wet our appetite today Dr. Lee, and we're really glad that you are doing this research. We're proud to have you as our alum and we look forward to uh, seeing the results of your your next research.
1: It's great. Yes. Thank you very much for having me.
0: This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.